when we don't have faith about what he says for us to do. Does that make sense to anybody? You can't ask in faith and pray with faith if you're not living by faith. And what is faith? Obeying what God's told you to do. It's not some secret thing that we can get by praying long enough or, you know, uh, chanting long enough or any, whatever it is we think we, we can do. It's something as it's, it's simple as be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So if we live in disobedience to the commands of Christ, then that means one of two things, that we don't believe in him or believe him or maybe we think it's a lie because we try to ask God for things. We didn't get them, but the reason we didn't get them is the issue. I don't like praying and not getting results. Anybody else? I said, anybody else? The Bible says pray, and when God answers our prayer, our joy is full. So we prove that we don't or can't have faith for what he promises if, how can you believe that he's going to do this when we don't believe him when he says you can't do that or don't do that? It takes faith to believe God, not just believe in God. Now, last week I did something because I wanted us to understand what the Bible said. You might want to listen to the, uh, the message last week because I don't think people think that sin is serious. It just brings death. There's no result of it. Adam sinned, but he didn't die physically immediately. He lived almost 900 years. But how did he die? He died spiritually. And then he began to die emotionally. And he died relationally. I mean, it just it, it, the death process just don't take as long now as it did back then. Or whatever. And there's plenty of reasons why. But. So what I was wanting us to understand, because some people say, well, this is, oh, I can do this, and, and this is not as bad. I want you to listen to something real close to me today. And I, I taught this last week. If you wasn't here, li go listen to it, read the Bible, and see what he says. But I'm going to tell how God looks at things. And that is, it, it's our sinning, or not believing God, that keeps us from having our prayers answered. And that we learn that stealing is in the same category of those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Stealing is in the same category as men who sleep with men. Actually, the word effeminate even talks about a catamite, which is a little boy that the Romans used to have and, set, and the Greeks would have. It's called pedophilia nowadays. And the Bible equates homosexuality and pedophilia with stealing and reviling and all the, the, the things we taught last week. Because I think it's important for us to understand how God looks at it. So if we're going to disfellowship, listen close to me. If we're going to disfellowship people, or we're not going to allow people who are homosexual to come to our church because of its sin, and it's sin, and most people agree with that. Now, modern Christendom don't agree with that. Somebody asked me, can homosexuals come to your church? Yeah, but they can't stay that way. Same as an adulterer. You come to the church, but you can't stay that way. So if we're going to deny the pedophile and deny the homosexual coming to church, what about the thief who robs God? Listen close, man. So what we do, we say, okay, I'm going to not, my sin is going to be okay. I don't want to do that. So now we make these other sins okay. I don't even realize how today people can even speak about pedophilia and somehow include it in some way of making it right in some way. But you know what? We've come a long way than we were when I was a kid. Just like all the other sins we've accepted. So my question has been this. What will we give and what have we given in exchange for our soul? What is the price that we, what is the price that we are willing to, to pay for our life? To me, it's a matter of being bought or being sold. Are we willing to be bought and sold for our immortality, for eternal life, for what God said? Compromise is when we lower the standard required by God, His Word, and His Son so the carnal and worldly can reach them. Okay, well, that's, you know, uh, we, they can't live up to this, so we're going to compromise and make it okay. And that's what we've done, and be, we've justified other people because we aren't willing to live up to the standard ourselves. Once having put our hands to the plow, we look back 
And we allow our heart to be taken and our spiritual walk to be weakened by the temporal, perishable, worldly interests of this life, we've forgotten that the, what Yahshua said. And listen, if people don't want to believe the Bible, I'm good with that. But don't say you believe the Bible and not believe it. Because the Bible says we were bought with a price and we don't belong to ourselves anymore. That's Christianity. It's sad spiritual suicide for people who have such a glorious destiny of the promises of God and his coming kingdom to slacken our commitment and become lukewarm in the relation to the standards and the demands of Christ. And it happens often. God told me one time, he said, the way you preach gets on my nerves. I said, you mean conscience? He said, no, my nerves. I said, no conscience. Because what I'm saying gets on a man's conscience. I like to believe that one of our claims for this house is that we're truth lovers. Black and white. I'm the truth. I love the truth. The question is, you know, it's like, what's the guy say? Uh, Jack Nicholson. 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 Mister, you can't take the truth. <laughs> can you take the truth? I don't think people really can take the truth. You can't even tell people the truth about them. They're so thin-skinned, they will use it as an excuse to break relationship with you. We believe, I say we, that the gospel, the true gospel, got hijacked. And that the second generation of so-called Christians didn't stay pure. I tell them a, a, a mongrel dog jumped the fence into your purebred. The gospel has been tainted. Don't we believe that? We've proved it historically. History, the history books know it. Christians don't know it. But, but the history books know it. This morning we're going to learn why it was hijacked. Because whatever people don't want to do, they will change the rules. Whatever people, look, I'm a golfer. We change the rules. Right, Connie? Well, I can never win because everybody else is changing the rules. Anyone who lays hold, and I want to believe it's us. I want to believe that so bad. Of the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Yahshua, the Christ, and anyone desiring the result of the promise of the Bible to get a well done, which means we got to do something well. There's something to do. We all are going to experience the same sufferings. Turn to your neighbor and say sufferings. Don't leave me yet. Rooster, lock the door. That's Yahshua. Years ago when I was a young man trying to serve God and find out for truth, I thought, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. And all of a sudden I started feeling lonely. I feel, felt despised. I feel rejection in my life because that's exactly what Yahshua experienced. And you and I will feel alone at times. And you and I will feel that this present world is an evil world. You and I can feel like a stranger in the midst of this world, even among Christians. And the sooner we realize it, we're going to be able to reconcile ourselves to this peculiar position that we're in. I believe that this house is in a very peculiar position. Just for nothing else, what we believe, which is so contrary to modern Christendom. Amen? I mean, you know, it's crazy. When I tell you and we believe that, that Jesus is not his real name, that's controversial. This position, when you understand it, when you know who we've called to be, what God requires and what's going to, we're going to be able to go through our life with a lot less frustration than if we believe the lies that somehow we're going to find fulfillment in this present life. I'm not talking about we can't enjoy stuff. I'm talking about fulfillment that will be worthy to be compared to what we've been offered by God. If we buy into the idea that it's possible, or somehow that this life, can, we can find edification and comfort and pleasure to any great extent. I believe, and it's been my experience with thousands of people, rich, wealthy, and poor, we will be grievously disappointed. We're going to find at every step that it is impossible in this life to realize the aspirations of our hearts, and it's impossible for a variety of reasons. 
Even if the world were all we wished it could be, guess what? You being human is going to prevent you from being able to enjoy it. I got everything in life, they say. I got, I got it all, and they're miserable. I seem like we learn a little bit from people that have fame and fortune. People are killing themselves because there's nothing that can fulfill them. Money can't. So what do they do? They go to drugs. They go to alcohol. I'm certainly glad of this. I'm glad I don't, I didn't live in the, I don't live in the first century and have to fellowship the sufferings of, of Yahshua. Why? Get put in prison? <laughs> I probably wouldn't qualify to be put in prison. Because you've got to be known. What was the thing? If you were convicted of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? <laughs> no. I hadn't had anybody come to my house and take away my family and me and all my stuff. First century they did. I didn't have to go. They hadn't taken me to a stake to burn me yet. I hadn't had my head cut off yet. And I've come to realize the older I've gotten of the fallacy of that idea. Let me tell you why. This may seem crazy, but this is how I think. In one respect, we are called to endure a, a more difficult martyrdom. I believe, and maybe it's just I'm a crybaby, maybe, maybe I'm whining, maybe I'm self-pity. I don't think it is because I think that it's more difficult martyrdom that we have than getting burned at the stake or at the chopping block at the guillotine where they chop our head off. Somebody said, are you crazy? Yeah, I've been accused of that too. Many people have undergone that kind of martyrdom. And I don't believe they're going to be acknowledged by Yeshua on the day of judgment. Let me tell you why. Because sometimes it's better and easier to just get your head chopped off and get it over with than have to live every day dying to my flesh. I hope you can appreciate that. The idea of getting your head chopped off is bad. But you, you won't even know it. By the time the pain's there, you're dead. It's over. People used to rush to that kind of martyrdom on the same principle that leads Roman Catholics to submit to these painful penances and dreadful things have been suffered in the way of these penances. And, and, or, or how about the radicals of, of Islam? But see, God ain't pleased with will worship. With anything that we can devise for our own satisfaction. Okay, I'm going to do this to get it over with. I'm going to do this for you, Lord. No, you ain't doing it for him. You're doing it for yourself. Let's end it quick. He's only pleased with our compliance with what he appoints for us. Here's me. Here's my job. Here's my life. This is what I am. This is what I've been given. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to, and I can't be a please God by trying to be like you. You can't, you can't please God trying to act like and be like somebody else. The kind of money they got, the kind of house they got, the kind of cars they got, the kind of life they got. A lot of times I think that we're desiring to pay God off, you know. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do something big for you. I'm going to really do it one time. Johnny, you remember that time we gave him that offering? Yeah, you know, I gave something so much value. I did it. Well, you did it one time. Because we weren't like, okay, let me pay you off. Okay, what are we going to do? I'm going to write this check for Sunday. I'm going to pay God off with this tithe check right here. Boom, there it is. I'm going to give that. There's a sacrifice. When God wants you to worship. And I'm going to encourage you. Those of y'all that give online and those that watch, listen, don't just, don't just, this ain't a club here. We ain't buying tickets or membership. We're worshiping God with the increase, and we're acknowledging God that we're in partnership with him. He just wants his part, and he blesses us. Worship him with it. Don't just, don't just give. Give It's called worship. True worship with God accepts obeying him in thanksgiving for his goodness and offering us forgiveness in spite of our former sins. I want to tell you something. I think back what God saved me from. I mean, I was on the fast track to nowhere. It was somewhere, but I'm telling you, it was nowhere. And I don't even like talking about my past. But the, true, the age of true martyrdom hadn't passed away. We are called to be martyrs. Did you know that? To offer ourselves as living sacrifices to God. I think that's far more difficult for me, anyhow, than to offer that which is, is, ends about as soon as the pain comes. All right, chop my head off.
to tie a bomb, strap it to my body, and set it off. I'm like, that don't even hurt. But that every day, dying to Johnny, that's tough stuff. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? I said, does anybody here have the same battle that most humans have that are want to really serve God? I do. And that death by the sword or stake or sharp, short, indecisive. But a living sacrifice is a living martyrdom. It's a living mortification. It's a tedious, drawn-out suffering of dying to what Johnny wants and choosing what God wants. Because that's the smart way. It's waiting for God in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation. It's an obeying of the commandments which are irksome to my flesh and my ego. It's submitting to a trial which isn't joyous, but the Bible calls it grievous. How is that? Because God forbids those who are invited, listen, to be heirs of his kingdom, to want to be like the world, or to seek fulfillment in this present time. Luke 8, and that which fell among the thorns are they, which when they heard, they go forth, and they're choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and have no fruit to perfection or maturity. Timothy, Paul told Timothy, traitors, high-heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. I want to tell you all something. I want you to look at me and I want those to look at me. Some of you all aren't here today because you love pleasures more than you do God. And you think you earn the break today. McDonald's is your slogan. We deserve a break today, so let's get up and get away to our flesh. Y'all hear me today? Y'all hear me? I'm telling you what the Bible says. This is not my opinion. And you're going to decide what you're going to do with it. Ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers, lust, and pleasures. And the world's given us plenty to entertain us, hadn't they? When I was a kid, we had two channels, and all oh, we got excited when we got our third channel on TV. Now, I have a thousand. I have a thousand channels, I'm sure. A thousand channels! Sit there. I want to tell you what. When midnight came, the national anthem came on, and that Indian face came on. And TV was off, and it was snow. How many of you remember those days? What are we going to do now? Well, you going to read a book. You maybe go to bed. I mean, it's like 1130 after the news. No, y'all don't need to be watching TV. You need to go to bed and get some sleep. And so, but now, man, now we binge. We even call it that. Y'all know any good things to binge? I know one. Oh, my God. We're binging. Robbing us. No wonder we don't know the scriptures. No wonder we don't know God. No wonder we, we are just worldly because we're so busy getting entertained by the world and all they're doing is taking our money and stuff and our time and our sleep even. And the result has been now we've mingled the world with the church and the gospel. But we, and that's my hope, us, hopefully, who have accepted the calling to which Yahweh has called us, we, I hope, us, I hope, who have ears to hear, we must experience the deprivation of sin. We must deprive ourselves of all the present fleshly gratifications that God doesn't want us to get involved in because he knows it ain't good for us. It's like a daddy saying, don't do that, which I don't know if they say that anymore. Yet eventually... We will not miss the deprivation of these present gratifications that we are called to leave because this, you will ultimately learn to hate sin. Even if you fall into temptation, even if you're overtaken by a fault, not willfully doing it, I'm going to tell you what, you'll feel sick about it. You'll be sad that you did it and you'll have to repent. Sometimes you're going to have to repent to somebody else too and say, well, I'm sorry. People tell me, I love God. I said, I know you do, but do you hate sin? The Bible says the fear of the Lord is, is the beginning of wisdom. And the, uh, the fear of the Lord is the hatred of all those things that God says are wrong. And the reason he says them, because he knows how he created us, and he knows it ain't good for us. And he's looking for people he can trust with his kingdom. I asked a question. I wasn't scared to say it, but 
I know I can lose people because most people serve God so what they can get out of it. I'm going to get me a mansion. I'm going to live forever. I'm going to get rich. I've been meditating on getting rich. Is it a sin to get rich? Well, rich is relevant to a person. How many of you know? $500 a week is rich to one man. $5,000 rich to another man. And, and those that are ambitious and all that, they're never going to be rich because they're never satisfied. They never will be satisfied. So I'm like, what about all this stuff that, that's wasting our time and money? And I begin to look at things, and I'm like, you know what? This, this is unprofitable for me. It's taking more from me than what it's giving to me. And I had to make some choices. And thank God, he, he delivered me from ambition, sinful ambition. So people have their houses built on sand. And storms are going to come to your life. The only difference is if your house is built on the rock, the storm don't tear you down and wash you away. But we're in the world. We're going to get the storms. It's the foundation. And the world generally, even the Christian world, disregards Yahweh and his requirements and what he says, and really the Bible, and so they follow pleasure for its own temporal benefit. So I, if I tell people, you know, hey, you're going to have to die to yourself and all that, Yahshua had this same problem. Everybody left him when he said, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Not literally, but when it was like, uh, the kingdom's not coming, you ain't going to get your, your goodies now, it ain't payday yet. They were gone. That's human nature. How many of you know that's human nature? How many of you ever want to be gone before? He looks at temporal benefit. But a true ecclesian learns to have no pleasure in anything from which God is absent. But if you put God first in everything, what a joy it is. He learns not only to hate these things, but to love another set of things. These new things he learns to love are not present to him except by faith. You hear what he just said? We, don't, we ain't got it yet. There's a song that hasn't been sung yet, Joey. There's a bell that hasn't been rung. There's a road that has not been traveled on yet. And it comes to us, and it's by faith. If, if the gospel said this, that you right now could have everything the Bible promises right now, I want to tell you what, everybody would make the exchange at once. If as soon as a man believed and obeyed the gospel, he would become immortal and get eternal life right then, everybody would do it. How I many of you know our church would be packed out if that's what we were preaching and it happened that way? And you would not be ashamed to tell somebody about it. Oh, guess what? Guess what? You come here, you're going to get instantly healed. You're going to get instantly uh, unscrewed up. You're going to instantly be happy. You're going to instantly have peace. You're going to instantly live forever. You're going to instantly have all the money and riches that you want. Everybody's going to make that, that exchange. Why? Because our biggest thing is we want instant satisfaction. Even Mick Jagger knows. I can't get no satisfaction. And he's had it all. Amen. You don't think Mick Jagger ain't tried it all? And he's still, and he's tried and he tried and he tried and he tried. But he still can't get no satisfaction. I wish Roger Grenier was here. He'd start playing on the guitar for me, wouldn't he? <laughs> down, 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 down. I had to get y'all laugh in the middle of all this. Instantaneous satisfaction. You know. Getting something better than they had. I tell you what, I'm going to give you this for that. You know, once saved, always saved. You know, getting our God stuff out of the way so we can go on back to pursuing our carnal lives. Okay, I believe in this gospel now, Johnny, and we put it in the same jar that we dumped out once saved, always saved in, and we put it on the shelf. Now, back to carnality. Now back to being like the world. Now accumulating stuff, trying to get happy again. And the truth, you just, got, you just put God on the shelf. I don't know why you don't answer our prayer. I don't know why we don't have joy and peace. I don't know why. I'm being facetious, by the way. The title of my message today is this. Don't you tell me to relax. 
Don't tell me to relax. This is too important. Relax, dude, relax. Uh -uh. I ain't relaxing. God is not pleased to bestow eternal life on that principle. He offers eternal life on the condition of pleasing Him and not pleasing ourselves. Well, heck, that's what you do for your employer every week. It's not an odd concept. No, you're going to do what I want you to do, and then I'll pay you. How many of you know it ain't good to pay your employees at the beginning of the week? Tell me why. They ain't coming back till the next week. I want you to listen to me this morning. You got to work this out yourself. I can't make you do it. And if I could, I, I would with a switch. Really, the gospel is not that nice. It's very uninviting. Yeah, you, you got to die to yourself, huh? Yes, no longer you that live, that Christ liveth you, and the life you live, you do by faith, the Son of God. You got to die to that. You got you to you deprive yourself of that pleasure. You got to, you got to, I, I want to tell you something. That isn't very, that's not a good invitation. But it's this uninviting religion of faith that gives us the opportunity. And you're always not pleased with anything short of it. Every head bow, every eye closed. They call it the invitation. <laughs> if churches in America gave the kind of invitation that God, Yahshua gave, nobody would come shake the preacher's hand. Unless they got called up in something. Or unless they really got convicted by the Spirit of God and God offered them the, the gift of repentance. I don't expect people to say, man, that's exciting. What are you going to do at your church? Well, we're, we've changed the name of our church again. What is it? Oak Funeral Home and Mortuary. Because that's where we go to die. That's where we go to remind ourselves and encourage ourselves and strengthen ourselves so we can mortify the deeds of the flesh. Because you can't do it on your own. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. What is faith? It's doing what he said and pleasing him and not pleasing you. And what will happen is then you'll begin to love pleasing him more than you will love pleasing you. Because pleasing you is going to hurt you a lot more. And he is offering in this uninvited thing that seems so bad to a lot of people that don't want to die or think that you're taking that from me. I want to tell you, you're going to see what a great honor it really is. And he's given us this great, wonderful opportunity to please him. What a great dignity for mortal men to have placed there in their hands the power of giving satisfaction to the creator of heaven and earth. I have the potential to give God pleasure. He was pleased with Yahshua. It's my will, my son, I'm, I'm well pleased. Oh, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be, man. I'm going to tell you, I want God to be pleased with me. I want to be pleased and in his sight every day of my life. I don't want to do anything to bring reproach on the master's name. I'm going to let my good light shine so the world can see that this life that I have, joy that I have is because he's living in me. I don't get on that piano and sing that. Y'all better stop it. What a dignity. I've been given the opportunity to give him satisfaction. On earth, we think we're spo he's supposed to be giving us satisfaction. You get satisfied when he's satisfied with you. It's satisfying to satisfy him. That's not a riddle. Through Yahshua, he's given us that opportunity. But in giving us that opportunity, he requires the good things spoken of in the gospel be postponed. What good things? Well, he, he screwed everybody up because when he came the first time, they thought the king had come. They received him as a king, and they thought the good thing of the kingdom being established and them coming out from under the do uh, domination of, and rule of Rome, they were buying into it. I was just thinking it's so ironic that what they thought they were going to get delivered from, listen close to this, they thought what Yahshua was going to deliver them from, the king and the kingdom, was the very thing God used to destroy Jerusalem because they rejected him. What you think God's going to deliver you from will be the thing, the thing that destroys you if you reject him. Listen, please. So the deprivation relates to our being cut off for the time being from the things that are to come. You know, I, all I can do is talk about. Nevertheless, I, 
I can see them. We can see them. I see them with the eyes of faith. It's just like when somebody says, you know, uh, I went golfing this week. Lynn came, picked me up. He said, hey, I'm going I'm to pick you up, and you can ride with me. It didn't happen yet. It didn't happen, but I saw it happen. I believed it was going to happen, and I prepared myself for when he arrived. I saw it. And these things that are promised, Abraham saw them, the Bible says. And he lived a real long time. But the Bible says he saw the reward. He saw and was glad. If you don't have hope, you, you can't be glad. That was Yahshua's testimony. Listen to what he said. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and he was glad. Abraham is the father of our faith. What do you mean? He's the leading specimen of the kind of people with whom God is pleased. What? People who can see. People who look forward. And people who are glad. I have faith. I believe that what God said he's going to do. Therefore, uh, I look forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. And it makes me glad. Lynn's coming to get me. Mm -hmm. Buy me something at McDonald's, Lynn. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm excited about it. See, our rejoicing is only in hope. And at times it gets mixed with weakness and with fear. Hello? Hello? At times it gets mixed with weakness and with fear. The Bible says we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. I'm like, why fear? Well, the question is answered. It says, let us therefore fear. Why? Listen to me. Lest a promise being left of us of entering his rest... Any of you should seem to come short of it. Wait a minute, I thought once saved, always saved. you telling me I can come short of the promise? Yeah. That's why we work it out with fear and trembling. I don't see anybody fearful about it. I don't see people you know, worried about it, concerned about it. What if Yeshua comes back? <laughs> My watch said it looks like you've taken a hard fall. <laughs> Call 911. <laughs> I hope they don't come in. Lynn, you probably know them. We work it out for me when they come. That's any, therefore, fear, it says, with all of our joy in looking forward to the rest before us, our rejoicing is moderated by the apprehension that possibly that I could fall in and fall away from serving God. People that have fell away, they don't even see. They're drunk now. They steal now. They commit adultery now. They, they're back. The Bible says it's better if you never have known. Now, there you are. We're back to this, and we still think it's okay with God. Because why? We may be buying him off somehow. Yeah, but don't you? You know how long I've been doing this? You know what? What the, you did in the past don't matter except what helps you do what's in the future. Now, today's the day of salvation. I've done a lot of things for God. But you know what? It don't matter if I, in the end, Faint. It'd be horrible for me to do that. I'm fearful. I don't do all this in vain. Are you kidding me? Yahshua said when Peter asked him about this, that many should seek to enter in but should not be able. That bothers me. Why not able? Why not able? Let me tell you why. It's, it's, it's easy. Because they are not in earnest about it. Because they don't give enough energy to it. Listen to what Paul said. We ought to give the most Excuse me. We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Many fail to attend to the things in that earnest way. They lay hold of the kingdom. They got the jargon. They got the belief in, but at the same time, they keep hold of 20 other things that they ain't going to let go. I preached about it Sunday. I preached about it. Oh, open your hands. Open up. Let God do it, man. God will bless you way more than you could ever bless yourself. But guess what? When you start talking about things and people dying to their self, their grip gets tight. Oh, man, I start talking about tithes to some people. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, not, what does it say? Not with these dead cold hands or whatever. No. Hey, you got to forgive somebody. Oh, no. Instead of just, they devote their best mental power. They devote their best physical powers. They devote their best time, their principal time, 
to the promotion of objects unconnected to Yahweh entirely. <laughs> all of our effort is mainly on all of these things that are perishable. And they're not even necessary for even livelihood. It's not necessary to pay your light bill, your house payment, your car payment. It, they, they're so consumed with these things. Our rejoicing, therefore, is mixed with fear and ought to be. No one should be a slacker until your race is over. i got to tell you something. I don't want to tell you who I was watching. I was watching a soccer game yesterday, and guess what? Boys, them boys just quit. One of the coaches, assistant coach told the coach, look, you might as well, they're done. They're done. And I said, man, you don't know how many people I've seen like that. Coach. And people just start slacking off. They work for you, you'd fire them. I guarantee you, Danny Smith put your butt on the bench. Hear me? Don't ever put off the day of wisdom. If we reject wisdom for our own convenience, wisdom will reject us. If you don't return to Yahweh from your backslidden condition, then Yahshua won't return for you. It's one of the delusions that we got to be on guard about. How do you know this, Johnny? Because I, I live this. I deal with it every day, my flesh, every day. One of the delusions, it's one of the delusions that we have to be on our guard against. Listen to this. What the Spirit of God says. Be not deceived, God's not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall reap the flesh, uh, shall of the flesh reap corruption, and he that soweth the spirit shall uh, of the spirit reap everlasting life. But it might be too late for us to hurry up and to be spiritually minded when he finds himself in the grasp of death. In other words, to get your well done, you gotta have a garden that's developing and growing, a vine that's bearing fruit. You can't just at the last second throw a seed in the ground. Well, what about a deathbed confession? I don't know that that works with a person that's had opportunity and he just wants to get his head chopped off, so to speak, at the last minute. Look, don't you tell me to relax. And I want you to quit telling me that I'm too serious. Not y'all. I hope there's nobody in here that way. What a refreshing thing it is to see women and men of God under the power of the fear of God. I say we not fear men. We not to fear what brother this or brother that may say. Because in a short time, in the order of nature, all men are going to be in their graves. Hello? I see it happen almost every week. I mean, I'm old enough now. i got friends I went to high school with and all. They're dying. And there's going to be no reality in relation to us then, except what? God, his mind, his purpose, his judgment. God, his mind, his purpose, and his judgment. We don't need to worry about the opinion of what other churches believe. Let's just be right with Yahshua and the ecclesia. To be right with him requires that we be serious, committed, diligent, and zealous at all times. Remember Yahshua's abrupt answer to a young man who came to him. He said, Lord, I will follow thee, but first, but, but suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Yahshua said a strange thing. He said, let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Let me tell you what he's saying there. Look, you need to put God first. That's what he's saying. He knows, he's not saying you don't, shouldn't go to a funeral and pay respect to somebody. That's not what he's saying. He's just saying, look, you need to put God first. And all these things shall be added unto you. So what's the application of what he's saying? Unless it was suggesting that the young man should put the kingdom first. Like the man turning his hand from the plow. Yahshua says that such a man is not fit for the kingdom of God. So the implication is this. There are going to be some that are fit, and there's going to be some that are not fit. Those who are fit are those who will lay hold with full purpose of heart, accept the calling in Christ in its entirety. That calling is a thing that is very demanding. And I tell people, I have people tell me, they say, hey, I, uh, 
I'm, I'm going to come to your church. I was talking to my wife. She went to a church. They went nice to her, you know, and they went, I want to come to your church. I said, okay, but I'll, let me give you a warning. If you're expecting a church to be like this, that ain't what we're about. We're not trying to do that. We're not trying to have that. We're not trying to create that. We're not trying to have some kind of emotional thing. What we're trying to do is people who are affected by truth and by the Spirit of God and the Word of God who make a decision and a commitment that in this uninviting gospel who they choose to say, yes, I'm willing to now lay my life down and give my all and, do, and please God and quit pleasing myself. Now, you still want to come? If you want, a, you want candy corn, church, you can go down there, man. They'll tell you, they'll tell you everything. Everything's wonderful. You're going to get rich. You're going to do this. Everything's fine. And what they'll do, they'll give you some psychology teaching because it's a soulless church that's not under the authority of the Spirit of God, but it's under the authority of, of the flesh. And so they're just going to tell you, you know, uh, it, it's like Dr. Phil. It's Dr. Phil stuff. Dr. Phil good. But there is a place that we are not in where God goes beyond what we're having to rely on today. I think there was a day when, when we were young and naive, maybe, we believed God would do heal because we pray for people. Now we don't believe it because all those times that we didn't answer prayer and we think it's a God thing. Why waste your time praying? And why won't we pray in people in church because it's a waste of time because God ain't going to answer us anyhow. But we think it's a God problem and it ain't. God claims absolute supremacy with those of whom it lays hold. I know this don't make, a lot of people don't understand it, and a lot of people don't want to deal with it. I understand that. It's a different thing from the religion preached in the pulpits across America. As a matter of fact, they don't think we should be so immersed in the things of God. They think it's okay to just having a little sprinkling of it. And I like that saying because that's what I told a Baptist guy one time. I mean, a Methodist. They believe in sprinkling, you know. I didn't want to argue that. I just wanted to say, he, he, he thinks I'm too radical. I said, well, I wasn't radical until you backslid. Hear me? I wasn't radical until they got lukewarm. Today's preachers in church, I understand why. The truth of Christ demands to be the very object of our life, the principle of action, the subject of supreme affection, the, the all-encompassing thing. This really doesn't seem so extreme when we allow ourselves to realize the surrounding facts. When we stop and realize the end of every human being, then we look at it differently. When I was a little boy, my dad used to go visit cemeteries. Yeah, I ain't lying to you. We learned to drive in a cemetery, didn't you, Joel? I ain't going to the cemetery. We're driving through there. We go see ancestors. This is Aunt, Aunt Bernie, Uncle Looney. Uh, yeah, hey, we had Uncle Looney. Uncle Looney actually worked at a cemetery. He was over a lot of people. <laughs> Read the tombstones. It was interesting to me. And so there you have this sleeping congregation of people who are done with their life. There's all sorts there. The great hair captain who acquired military or naval honors all over the world. He got medals and, and the compliment deserved well of his country. To the unknown pauper who dribbled out his not-so-glorious days that nobody even put a name on his grave marker. And there's millionaires under that grass, man, who in their day, they rose to the top of the social scale by their industry and their innovation and hard work and by talents and were highly applauded and who died in the lap of luxury. And their beautiful daughters... These rich men who just wrinkled away in the excesses of luxury. These strong young men and athletes who achieved fame and fortune. They're beautiful children with whom parents had to part with too soon. And who with broken hearts followed later grieving to the grave. There they lie, a common mass of corruption, unknown and unknowing, forgotten in the land of the living. They were a big deal then, but they ain't nothing to nobody now. Hello? Let's imagine that we are included in that congregation because we certainly shall be unless Yahweh comes in before that. Let us imagine it's time for the resurrection. And on one side of the resurrection line, there's this past, the human past, with all the human business. And all the cares of the past life and the lust for things and riches. And on the other side, what is there? 
That's God's stuff. That's God business. That's God's time on a large scale. The past now means nothing. Now it's, now it's God's affair. Christ is at the head of this matter. Who gets elected president? It don't matter. Or he's going to be put aside because Yahshua is going to come, the Bible says, and he's going to uh, destroy all their kingdoms and governments. He's going to exalt Yahweh's name in all the earth and bring the nations into subjection and test harmony. Now who of all the congregation of dead, whose mortal days and mortal concerns are all gone, which of them would you select to be companions of Christ in this mighty work on the earth? Who would you pick to rule and reign if you were Yahshua? Who of all these dead people would you pick to assist him in ruling and reigning and exalt the honor of God's name forever and ever over the countless people with which the world will, will yet be populated? Who would you pick on your team? Who would you want? If you were, if you were Yahshua and you were going to all the dead people, who would you pick? You think it's such a large price for Yahshua to ask of any of those dead people? for the privilege of an immortal partnership in what he's doing, that they should have devoted their mortal affections and their mortal energies and their mortal time of, uh, on the earth and their mortal opportunities to hold up the name of Yahweh during their lifetime. You think it's too much for Yahweh to say, no, I, I want somebody who did what I wanted them to do. Then, is that asking too much? I'm sure that for any normal person, that would be a no-brainer. Oh, I'm going to get him. This guy shows up for work. This guy does what I said. This guy loves me. The great majority of the dead live for that mortal life. So they can't really complain that they get and perish for what they work for alive. Okay, I hope you got what you wanted. You did it. It's over, though. They work for was to have good things to put in their mouth and clothes on their backs, and they love themselves and, and to go on vacations and, and get drunk and ha get high and all that. Hopefully... They got what they worked for. They had their reward. That's it. Would you pick them? I wouldn't. Truthfully, the kingdom of God is only for those who seek it first. You read that before? And work for it in a practical and enthusiastic way. So let us, this ecclesia, never listen for a moment who, who will hinder us in the good fight recommending that we shouldn't be so radical in the things of Yahweh. I want to tell you what I think. I think their opinions are, you know what? And everybody, oh, no, ignorant. Let's just call it that. They're ignorant. They just don't know. Our carnal man is sufficiently powerful enough to be the number one thing that recommends to me, hey, man, it's okay, man. God loves you, man. Let's do it, man. I mean, I can talk a good talk to justify not serving God. So I certainly don't need anybody else helping me. Hello? I said, I certainly don't need other people helping me. What we need is to exhort each other the other way. I need somebody to exhort me the other way. I need somebody to encourage me the other way. I need somebody to, to inspire me the other way. I need to continually be pulled up in the direction of the path which the captain of our salvation walked and gave us an example. No, 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 Johnny, come on. No, man, you can't do that. You can't do it. A lot of times you can do that by just being here. Speaks volumes. Calling people. Encouraging people. Coming. We know what kind of path it was he walked. We know he was no mild, moderate man in the things of his father. I'm sure Yahshua said, look, don't tell me to relax. <laughs> he had no schemes but the one scheme, and that was God's purpose for him. We know that he was never found trimming the sails of worldly breezes or emulating worldly principles or spend his time trying to be like the sinners of our generation. He devoted himself solely to the work where the Father gave him and his relation to the world was one of continued hostility. Our work and our attitude, if we are his brethren, are going to be the same. The work may be different now in the external, external form of it, but it's the same work for all that based upon the same lifestyle and the same principles and the same aiming at the same end and purifying of a peculiar people for the inheritance of God, preparing a people for him. That's what we should be doing. Let us not fear to give God our whole heart 
and trust him and have faith. Trust him. If he says do it, trust him and he will take care of you. Can anybody testify to me? Or have you thought, have you gotten so far away you think you did all of this? Oh, yeah, I mean, they'll need God. I'd, oh, okay. Let us not fear to give ourselves. And I'm telling you, you're not going to regret it when that day comes to us. I hope you look at me and say, I'm glad you were serious. I'm glad you didn't relax. We shall gasp out the vital energy that keeps us going from the time being. We shall look back with satisfaction of our little course, our little life, and we're going to be able to say, well, I know my efforts were weak, and I know my shortcomings were many, but I want to tell you about me. I've sought to serve Yahweh to the extent of my mortal possibilities as circumstances allowed, and although it's been hard work and unsatisfactory in some respects, I'm glad to look back and say I would do it I would do as I have done, and if I had to live it all over again, I would still serve God. And that you need to be able to say that. When we get through our little drive and we come to the place of death, those that haven't done that, I'm telling you today, I'm prophesying this today, and it don't take God to prophesy. This is what you're going to do. You're going to have deep regret. You're not going to be satisfied because you're going to say, What a waste! Of all that I thought was valuable. What will Yahshua say to me on that day, Joey? That's going to be a big deal to me. Because I want to please him. And to get there and him say, Dude, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. That's going to be horrible. Not only that, I want to tell you what else I think about. What's Bevy going to say? What's Bevy going to say? I'm, she's standing there and I'm standing there. And, and, and she said, Were you a fake? Were you... What are my children going to say? Can't believe you told us all of that. What are you going to say about me? Because what you th think about me governs my decisions too. And I want to tell you, what we, think about, what we think about you should govern your decisions too. You should live your life as a testimony and a witness and a standard for what this ecclesia thinks about you. And I live, hopefully, an honest life. I'm not perfect, y'all. I'm a guy, but I, I live an honest life and in my way represent gospel to people and love people and show people. You know, I can get mad at stuff like everybody else. I can get disappointed like everybody else. But I don't want all of those people to be filled with hard regret when they come to present their lives. I go home a lot on Sundays and this is what I do. I, I, I kind of get down. I'm down a little bit. And this is just me. It's like the Elijah under the juniper tree. He called fire down from heaven. He goes, he goes, gets under a juniper tree. And I tell people it's easier to call fire from heaven than it is to get out from under that juniper tree. But I, I want so much, like the soccer coach, I want so much that you do and run the plays that we have to run. I use coach a lot because he's a great coach. I've seen him coach over the years. And i got to tell you, you should see how he gets on the court. He yells. He does that stuff right there to people. Move it, do that. How about you, coach? You just sit there and say, it's okay. Move over there. No, we, we're serious. We're serious. It's a glorious day that's coming. Don't make it a horrible one. I'm done. Let's pray.